0: Friends, my name is Kathy Ritchie, and I like to talk about things that can make most people uncomfortable. And my latest podcast really hits a nail on the head. It's called Period, the End, but not really, and it's about menopause. The fact is, anyone with ovaries will go through menopause, and most will have symptoms. We're talking hot flashes, anxiety, sleepless nights, vaginal dryness, even abnormal bleeding. In period, the end, I aim to give you more information from menopause experts because this chapter of life can be gut-wrenching, exhausting, and just plain confusing. Information is power, for you, your partner, your children, your friends, and colleagues. The other thing, this can be an incredibly isolating time for women, and now more than ever, we need connection. So let's get a little uncomfortable. I'm calling this episode Hormone Therapy 101. Keep in mind, this is a big topic, so I won't cover everything. This is more like a primer so you can more comfortably talk to your provider or know when to walk away. Okay let's get to it and start with the very basics menopause versus perimenopause we sort of use those words interchangeably but they actually mean two different things
1: yeah this is an interesting question so perimenopause is that time leading up to menopause menopause is defined as no period for 12 months so you actually don't know you're in menopause until you've been in it for a year
0: That's Dr. Stephanie Fabian. She is the director of the Mayo Clinic Center for
1: Women's Health in Florida
0: and the medical director of the Menopause Society, which provides resources to women leading up
1: to, during, and after menopause. But that time leading up to menopause is when the ovaries stop functioning quite so regularly. We know that the ovaries don't flip off like a light switch. Instead, they tend to flicker or flutter a little bit before they actually stop working altogether.
0: And sometimes those changes can
1: be very subtle, she explains. Other times, not so much. But a recent study published in 2021 outlined how women during perimenopause have much the same symptoms as those women in menopause, and they weren't expecting to have those symptoms. So everything from... Hot flashes and night sweats, to sleep disturbance, to mood disturbance, to vaginal dryness, etc. A lot of those symptoms occur in women who are still menstruating fairly regularly and may not be having much variation in their cycle length yet.
0: Okay, so you're still getting your period on a regular basis and maybe thinking everything is copacetic, no perimenopause happening here, but all of a sudden you feel like you're on this
1: angst-filled roller coaster ride. And especially during that time leading up to the menstrual cycle is when estrogen levels tend to fall. And so that's when women might notice some of those symptoms. So think of it as a much more intense PMS. And also some women might skip a period one month as they get closer to the menopause transition and have a lot of symptoms. And the next month be absolutely fine. Ugh, and there's no menopause app for
0: this. You can't track when you're going to be struggling one month and totally cool, literally and figuratively the next. And yes, you can still get pregnant during this very wonky time, which can last for a few years. So something to keep in mind from a contraception standpoint. Now, you're probably thinking, can't my provider test my hormone levels? Like, isn't there a
1: test for menopause? While we can test hormone levels, they're often useless during this time frame because they can frankly vary by the day. And so they really aren't going to tell us where you are in the menopause transition. So they're not helpful. Most of the time we go based on symptoms and most of the time, period or no period will help us determine that. Still, a lot of women don't even realize it, the change. This transition is happening. I have women coming to me at the Mayo Clinic with palpitations, feeling anxious, they're gaining weight, they're losing hair, they're not sleeping well, and it's very scary. And some women are not tying all that together with the menopause transition. So not to paint this as doom and gloom, because some women literally stop their periods and never have a single symptom. I would say that's more the minority. But for those of us with
0: symptoms, menopausal hormone therapy, meaning estrogen and progestogen is a possible solution. Couple quick things to note. Estrogen-only therapy is prescribed for women without a uterus due to hysterectomy. A progestogen is added to protect a woman with a uterus from uterine cancer. Oh, and we don't call it hormone replacement
1: therapy we call it hormone therapy because we're not actually trying to replace what the ovary used to make. That's not the goal of menopausal hormone therapy. The goal is to reduce symptoms that women are having as a result of losing some of those hormones.
0: In fact, before 2002, lots of women were using menopausal hormone therapy to manage their symptoms. They were even touted as preventing chronic disease. Then in 1991, the Women's Health Initiative study launched. More than
1: 160,000
0: postmenopausal women ages 50 to 79 participated in the
1: study. And when the results came out in 2002, they stated that women on hormones and specifically the combination of estrogen plus a progestogen and very specific kinds Um, had an increased risk of heart disease and stroke and an increased breast cancer risk.
0: I mean, imagine listening to Ann Curry in this 2002 interview with the WHI researcher on the Today Show.
1: You actually found heart disease, the
0: risk increased by 29 percent. The risk of strokes increased by 41 percent. Invasive breast cancer risk increased by 26 percent. So what are we telling women,
1: the six million women in America today?
0: The study stopped, like abruptly.
1: Women who were using hormone therapy stopped, like, immediately. And then later, uh, a few years later, the estrogen alone arm came out from that same study and showed that women in that group did not have an increased risk of breast cancer. So conflicting results. Still, the damage was done. Since then, more discussions about the study and what we found out after looking at this same data over the years and looking at it specifically in those women who are younger between the ages of 50 and 59 when they start hormone therapy. We ultimately came to understand that the benefits typically outweigh the risks in those women who are in their 50s and within 10 years of menopause onset.
0: That detail is hugely important because many of the women in the 2002 study were much older and already at higher risk for things like cardiovascular
1: disease. I think the way the the study results were reported was unfortunate and and led to a generation of women avoiding hormone therapy because of uh, concerns about safety. I think we've learned a lot over the last couple of decades, right? It's been over 20 years since that came out. Still, some doctors won't
0: offer hormone therapy and some women remain skeptical.
1: Unfortunately, some of the education that occurred during that time doesn't want to go away. And even the authors of that study have implored us to go back and clinicians to become more educated about this so that women who need it and are appropriate candidates for it will use it.
0: Let's talk about who is a good candidate for hormone therapy, because it's not for
1: everyone. So the ideal candidate would be a woman who's under the age of 60, within 10 years of menopause onset, who's having bothersome hot flashes and night sweats that are getting in the way. And I will say that, you know, it's not, menopause symptoms often don't come in isolation. So most of the time that woman's also having some mood issues and she's not sleeping well. And there can be other
0: symptoms, too, like joint aches, which also tend to get better, she says, with hormone therapy.
1: The FDA indications for use include hot flashes and night sweats, Um, It includes low estrogen related to losing your ovaries, either surgically or for other reasons before the natural age of menopause. It includes the use of estrogen for reducing fracture risk and prevention of osteoporosis and also for treatment of what we call genitourinary syndrome of menopause or vaginal dryness. Often for that, though, if that's the only symptom, we don't need full systemic hormone therapy doses. We can get away with low-dose local vaginal therapies.
0: So I want to switch gears here and talk about that, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, or GSM, which is a lot easier to
1: say because a lot of women don't know what it is, yet... About 20% of women will experience it before their last menstrual period.
0: And it can be incredibly
1: uncomfortable.
0: GSM used to be called vaginal atrophy. Luckily, the name was changed because, come on, seriously? We don't call erectile dysfunction a very real medical condition penis atrophy. The other reason for the name change was that women didn't
1: understand that this condition was tied to menopause. So getting the name menopause in there was helpful. And then it also ties in the urinary component to it. So along with the vaginal and vulvar changes, it's not just inside the vagina, it's really actually more on the vulva. Um, But there's also a lot of urinary symptoms. So urinary frequency, urgency, urge leak, urinary tract infections, all of that is related to um, the lower estrogen levels associated with menopause.
0: Wonderful. Luckily, as we know, this can be treated. But again, information is power. And in this
1: case, the statistics are that about 9% of symptomatic women are getting treated with a prescription therapy. So it's vastly undertreated. Fabian says the first
0: line of defense for GSM are lubricants and vaginal moisturizers. Now, before you get weird, stop. Honestly, there's no reason to get uncomfortable talking about the use of lubrication or vaginal moisturizers or even purchasing it, which you can do via Amazon, by the way. These products are about being comfortable so you can function in a world that is often not very forgiving when it comes to women's health care. So back to lube and
1: moisturizers, which is used for more mild cases of GSM. And for some women, that's enough. So lubricant moisturizer 101 Lubricants are for sexual activity. Moisturizers are face cream for the vagina. They are to maintain moisture. That's what you put on after you get out of the shower. You can put on the vulva inside the vagina, but that's to help lock in water, to lock in moisture.
0: Couple of hopefully obvious tips. Skip products with coloring, flavors, perfumes, dyes, or anything that promotes a tingling sensation. You're also gonna wanna do a skin patch test near your inner thigh your vulva will thank you okay now back to hormone therapy let's talk risks in some cases the risks really do outweigh the benefits
1: You need to let your doctor know or your healthcare provider know if you're having any, if you have any chronic medical conditions. Um, so if you have any conditions that would be a contraindication to the use of hormone therapy, so that would be a history of heart attack or history of stroke or history of blood clot. Um, those are some of the, the main contraindications to the use of hormone therapy. So is there a reason I can't use it, right? That's one of the first questions. Is it right for me? So in other words, is it going to treat the symptom that I wanted to treat? Is it is it right for me in terms of my my personal medical history, my family's medical history? For example, do I have a strong family history of breast cancer or a strong family history of heart disease?
0: Or if you have a personal history of breast cancer, uterine cancer, or unexplained uterine bleeding, you might not be an appropriate candidate. But again, talk to your provider.
1: And then your provider can kind of weigh out these risks and benefits and help you understand if you would be a good candidate. Now, the caveat there is your provider has to know something about hormone therapy to be able to adequately advise you. And if you you know, they, they trained back when the Women's Health Initiative study came out. Um, then some providers just simply say, no, it's not an option for anyone. And
0: Fabian says if that's the case, it might be worth getting a second opinion. That said, it is important to document the symptoms you notice throughout the day because that information is actually really useful. Your experience is legitimate. And often we walk into
1: our doctor's office only to walk out feeling worse than when we went in. I have patients coming to me who tell me this all the time. So I don't think this is an isolated event unfortunately, but I I think I think providers are uncomfortable talking about hormone therapy. And when their patients are coming in, it's rather than trying to sort this out and figure it out, it's easier to say, well, it doesn't sound that bad. It doesn't sound like you need it. Right. Um, Rather than really kind of thinking through, is this a good thing? Or maybe maybe they don't feel comfortable addressing it. And that's the response is it doesn't sound like you really need it. So I think a lot of women are being dismissed. The message here, find yourself a certified menopause provider. There's a lot
0: more to say on the subject of hormone therapy, but hopefully this was a good start. I did want to end on some of the more controversial-ish things that are happening when it comes to hormones, specifically
1: hormone pellet therapy. There are some providers out there who are injecting hormones in pellet form in people and you know it's not recommended by any medical society out there for a number of reasons but a lot of times there are hormones that people don't need that are being put in including testosterone we have women who come back with male levels of testosterone and frankly you just have to wait for those things to dissolve they're also often poorly made and they dissolve too soon meaning the hormones just skyrocket and You know, I've had a couple of unfortunate cases where women were diagnosed with breast cancer and they're stuck with a hormone pellet that is releasing additional hormones that are feeding the breast cancer and there's nothing we can do. We can't remove it.
0: Remember, hormone therapy is not the fountain of youth. You won't feel like you're 20 again, which might be a good thing. And keep in mind, it's okay to walk away if you're not comfortable with your provider. Listen to your gut. For more information about menopause-certified providers, check out the Menopause Society and talk to people. Talk to your friends, your family, your colleagues about their menopausal experiences. Menopause is a normal stage of life. We shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed. But we do need to pull it out from the shadows and start to own it. And the only way we can do that is by talking about it. Next time on Period The End, we talk about menopause at
1: work. Finally one night, I landed on the bathroom floor at work. I had heart palpitations and um, was having a hard time reading the prompter, and then I got this incredible hot flash.
0: I'm Kathy Ritchie, and thanks for listening.